the book of Deuteronomy, and we'll be considering two verses from chapter 21. So Deuteronomy, that fifth book from the start, chapter 21, and we'll look at verse 22 and verse 23, just those two verses this morning. A warm welcome to everyone, um, and you can follow along with me as I read. This is Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him in the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Let's pray. Our Lord, we come to you this morning because unless you send your Holy Spirit, um, unless the Holy Spirit wields this word, I will only make noise. So, Lord, would your Holy Spirit bless us and help us this morning. Our Lord, would you till the soil of our hearts that we might receive your word and help us to hear from you this morning. Lord, thank you so much that you have given us this wonderful gift, your Bible, your word, your scriptures. And Lord, help us to submit to it. Help us to come under this word and remember that it is your word. Help us to do as it says. Lord, help us to see who we are. And Lord, pray desperately that you would help us to see our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, um, you may remember that the book of Deuteronomy, the book that we've been looking at for several months now, um, is quite a special book. It's the last book that Moses writes. It's the fifth book that he writes. And if you recall, that title, Deuteronomy, is not a title that Moses gave this book. That book, Deuteronomy, um, it is two Greek words. It means uh, second law. What that means is this is the second time Moses has given the law. He's given it through the first four books that he's written, and now he's giving it again. That's why it's called Deuteronomy. And in his earlier books, he talks about God who has created the whole universe, God who created the stars, flung them into existence, spoke and light, be, light came to be, God who created man and Adam and Eve in the garden, and gave them very simple commands. And Adam and Eve in the garden, they fell uh, from God's grace. They fell because they disobeyed God. And God, uh, from there, tells them about this grand plan of redemption, that God has planned to save them. God was not surprised, but God has already put into action a plan to save his people. Following on from that story, descendants of Adam and Eve um, called the Israelites, the people who we're reading about in the book of Deuteronomy, they fell into slavery under the Egyptians. And they were there for hundreds of years. And God, in his grace, rescued his people through um, a leader called Moses, the man who wrote this book. And now he's giving them this land. And they're just on the other side of the river from this land. And Moses is telling them again all that they should be doing, the things that they should do in this new land the things that God has already said before, and he's repeating himself. 
And it's on that basis, on the basis that God is a creator, on the basis that God has saved this people, and on the basis that they have a new identity as people who are saved by him. On those three bases that we've looked at in previous chapters, he gives them a law. And he says, I am God. Here is a law. I have saved you. Isn't that how the Ten Commandments start? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of slavery, out of Egypt. On that basis, God gives them a law. And because they are his private possession, because they belong to him, he gives them a law. So God has firm grounding to give them laws. And in this passage this morning, we see some of the consequences of not obeying God's law. Now, in today's terms, we call being put to death because you did something wrong or committed a crime. We call that capital punishment. And there are large debates going on around the world in different countries and states um, that are talking about capital punishment. In this day and age, Moses is telling them that capital punishment is a, is a consequence, a real consequence for sins, for crimes that are committed. And there are certain crimes that if you commit under the Mosaic law, as Moses talks about in the previous chapters, there are certain laws that if you commit them, you could be put to death. You could be um, given capital punishment. And to go even further, if you committed such a heinous crime that you needed to be made an example of, you were hung on a tree. All your wretchedness on display. Your crime made public. And, and God gives this commandment through Moses, don't let that man stay on that tree overnight. He must come down the same day and be buried. Because a hanged man is a cursed man by God. Now, you may be thinking, what relevance does this have to us today? Now, why is it important that we should consider these two verses tucked away in the book of Deuteronomy? Now, what bearing does it have on our lives? Now, I'll just take a wild guess, and I'm going to guess that no one here has committed a crime um, that they are to be held accountable for and be put to death for under New Zealand government law. And so you might think, I'm not looking at capital punishment. What bearing does this, do these verses have on me? You may be thinking um, that you may not really be someone who has done such a crime or could be cursed in such a way. And so that brings us to three points that I want us to consider this morning. And hopefully they're very simple and you can follow along with me. The first point is crime. The second, curse. And the third, cross. And let me get a little bit more specific there. The crime of sinners is number one. And number two, the curse of God. And number three, the cross of Christ. And now what's very important about those three points is that they're, the first two points are like a wide road. Every single person you know is on this wide road. You have been or are on this wide road. And as we work from point one, the crime of sinners, 
everyone is included. We are all on that road together. And as we consider the second point, the curse of God, every single person who you know or who has ever lived is on that wide road with us. But friends, there is a little turn off. There is a little side road. And it's called the straight and narrow path, the cross of Christ. And if we take the Bible's words, not many will take this little side road. Most will stay on this wide road and follow along, and this wide road leads to destruction. But there is this little turn off that some will take. Oh, and I pray earnestly that everyone here will take. Friends, if you follow along in these three points, and only the first two are true about you, that's a terrible place to be. And I'm praying this morning that all three of those points will be true. The first two by default, and the third, oh, I hope and pray that you will trust in the, Christ, in the cross of Christ. So let's consider those three points. The crime of sinners. Now we might think it's, it's, you must have to commit a big crime to receive capital punishment. And I'll remind you of something that I spoke about in the introduction. That in the beginning, God created um, the heavens and the earth. And then not long later, he created man. And he gave Adam, the first man, and Eve, the first woman, a very, very simple instruction. This is an instruction that you do not need a university degree to understand. It's a very simple instruction. Here is a tree that you cannot eat from. Do not touch the fruit from this tree. You can have any other tree in the world. And he gives them this consequence. He says, for if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. And no spoiler alert needed. I think you know what happens. They eat the fruit and they die. The book of Hebrews says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. Romans says, the wages of sin is death. The fact that they die is evidence that they have sinned. It is not that the apple, or the fruit rather, had any poison inside of it. That's not why they died. They died because they disobeyed God. What they did was they drove a wedge between themselves and the source of life. And it's only natural that if you drive a wedge between yourself and the source of life, it is only a matter of time before you die. Isn't it the case that if you were on life support and you pulled all the cables off yourself, those things that are keeping your heart beating and keeping you breathing, that you will die in a matter of moments? Isn't that true? That if you cut off your life support, if you separate yourself from the source of life, you will die. And Adam and Eve died. Every single person who has ever lived has died. And that is evidence of their sin. That's evidence that they committed such a crime that was worthy of death. Capital punishment is for everyone. Why? Because every single person has committed a crime punishable by death. And let's get a little bit more specific there. What crime have we all committed? 
In the New Testament, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, what he does is he summarizes the Ten Commandments in two points. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with everything, with your whole being. Love the Lord your God. Friends, it's only logical that the greatest transgression, the greatest crime that we could commit is to break the greatest law, the greatest commandment. Friends, ask yourself, have you kept that commandment perfectly even just this morning? Even since you woke up, have you kept that commandment perfectly? And if you're anything like me, you can't say yes. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And we have all transgressed, given the greatest transgression against the greatest law. And friends, that transgression happens with every other transgression. When you lie, what do you do? You do not love God with your whole body, with your thoughts. No, you you neglect that and you disobey God. It doesn't matter what crime you commit, you are always breaking the first commandment. You are always breaking the greatest commandment. And that greatest commandment is punishable by death. And we know just as a matter of fact, historically speaking, no one is alive from 200 years ago. No one is alive from 500 years ago. Everyone dies. And that is evidence, friends, of that crime the crime of sinners. And everyone is on that wide road together. And let's move on to that second point, the curse of God. What is the curse of God? Well, Paul says in Galatians, he he calls it the curse of the law. The curse of God because of our disobedience to the law. And what is the curse of the law? Well, one of the reformers in the 1500s, Martin Luther, he puts it this way. The curse of the law is the or-else-ness of the law. For example, in the garden, when they were given that command, do not eat from this tree, or else you will surely die. Do not do this, or else this will happen. The curse of the law is the or-else-ness of the law. It is the consequence of disobedience. It is the consequence of rebellion to the law. It is the consequence of going into the throne room of God and saying, get off that throne. I will make the decisions here. I will call the shots in this part of my life. I will be the one who determines what happens. I will decide what is right and wrong. Do you see how ugly that is? To walk into the throne room of God and to tell him to get off the throne so that you can sit down and make the cause yourself. The curse of the law, friends, as I've already mentioned from Romans, the wages of sin is death. And I've mentioned it in a temporal way, in a a real life way that we can actually observe. People actually die. But our friends, when Romans says that the wages of sin is death, it's not just death physically. It's death eternally. It's death forever. 
that wedge that we have driven between ourselves and God, between our life support, is realized in its most ultimate way. Forever and ever and ever we will be separated from God under the just wrath of the law, under the punishment of the law. And this is how costly it is to disobey God's law. A hundred years in hell will not pay for your debt. Two hundred years in hell will not pay for your debt. A thousand years, friends, is not even a drop in the bucket. Forever and ever and ever is what it will take. An extra day is not enough, so there will always be another day and another day and another day. That's how heinous the crime is. Friends, we have committed that crime as sinners, and we are under that curse of God. And now that I've spoken about this, that wide road that everyone is included on, friends, let me talk about the good news now, the cross of Christ. And as we think about the cross of Christ, let me um, cite for you something that Paul says in Galatians, and it's going to sound familiar. This is what Paul says. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming accursed for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Paul draws this connection. He knows that, that the consequence of sinning against God is death and death eternal. And he knows that cursed is a man who is hung on a tree. And he draws the connection from the cross of Christ to the man who was hung on a tree. Friends, um, this is how the debt that you accrue is paid for. So when you sin, you bring debt upon yourself with God. And the person sitting next to you can't help you pay for your debt. They can't even pay for their own. It will take eternity to pay for their debt. Help cannot come from anyone around you. Help cannot come from anything around you but Christ on the cross. But how does Jesus pay for all of these sins? Is it that God just wipes it clean and forgets about it? No, then God would not be just. How is it that your curse is taken care of. How is it that the curse of the law that is hung around your neck is paid for? It is paid for by being hung around the neck of Christ. Colossians puts it this way. It was nailed to the cross. Now, what does all of this mean? It means that when Jesus was on the cross, what God the Father had said to him is, Son, you go. And be Paul, that murderer, that persecutor of the church. Go be Paul on the cross and nail his actual sins to the cross. Go be Peter, the man who will deny you. And go be on the cross and nail his sins to the cross. Go and have my curse be put upon you. Go and be Adam, that man who disobeyed that most simple instruction. Go and be David, that adulterer who went and got another man murdered after he committed adultery. Go and pin his sins to the cross. Go and be Dwayne on that cross. Go and pay for the actual sins that he commits. Friends, if you're a Christian today, 
and you think about your last week and you know that you have not lived up to the law of God, oh, let me remind you of such a great joy. Your sins have already been nailed to the cross. What a joy it must be for you to realize that again and again every day. Your sins have been nailed to the cross. Isn't that wonderful to remember? But my friends, if you are here this morning and you are on that wide road with those first two points and you have not yet come to that turn off, you have not yet come to realize Christ on the cross or to trust in him, the sins that are around your neck, the condemnation that is written on your forehead will crush you. Come to Christ. Friends, he does not just welcome you. He does not just call you, but you are commanded. Come to him. Come and trust in him. Come and put all of your weight on him. And let me remind you of such a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21. This is what that says. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we can't pay for each other's debts. You can't pay for your own debt by doing things. But what Jesus does is he can pay for all of your debt. The way that he does that is he takes all of your debt onto himself, goes onto the cross, onto that tree where you deserve to be hung, where you deserve to be displayed publicly. And he takes all of those sins upon himself. But friends, it doesn't end there. This is how glorious it is. He takes his righteousness and gives it to you to wear as a robe. He takes off those rags that you had full of dirt and he gives you pure clothes. He gives you his own righteousness so that you can stand before God and God can say, you are my child. Friends, if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, would you come to him this very morning? Do not delay Time is short and it is only a matter of time. If you are cut off from the source of life, you will be cut off from the source of life eternally. So come to him. Come and have life and life abundantly. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your word and as we think about how glorious it is that the one who was there in the beginning face to face with God came and became human put on human flesh and dwelt among us the one who deserved to be lifted up in glory was instead put on the cross by you to bear the judgment and the curse of disobedience and disobeying the law Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus who carries uh, the cross, who was hung on the cross, the crucified Lord. And, Lord, we think now to the resurrection. We thank you that not only did he die with all of our sins, but he rose again victorious without them. He accomplished what he came to accomplish. Help everyone here this morning to trust in the crucified Lord, to trust in the risen Lord. Our Lord, would you occupy our minds this week with the wonders and the glory of the gospel. And Lord, we confess that there is no gospel 
if there is no payment for sins. If there is no judgment, there could be no mercy. So Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ on the cross, for him crucified. We thank you that he rose again victorious. Help us again, Lord, to trust in him. Help us to come to him, to not only be welcomed and called, but to be obedient to that command to come to him. We thank you, uh, Lord, that he paid for our sins. Lord, that he was not left uh, broke afterwards. He still had enough to pay for the next person's sins. We thank you so much for that. I'll be with us this week and be glorified in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing.